Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for a weekend update for the week ending January 21, 2022. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or spiders, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot to discuss on the docket. The market is cascading down. We're going to discuss a number of things. A, we're going to discuss some numbers on the downside. Where could they be headed? Where is that bounce going to come in? Where is that destination that will be support for the S&P 500? I'm going to give you four numbers below current price. We'll get back to that in a few moments. Let's kind of look at the bigger picture. Let's start with the monthly chart. We'll talk about reversals. So this month, in the month of January, the market popped its head up above the previous high that was made in December. And here we are a whole lot lower. That's called a failed breakout or it's just a failure. Any way you look at it, they're working on a monthly reversal candle. That's a big deal. Now, I want you to notice something, and then we're going to come back to this later. Here's a breakup candle on the monthly chart. Again, that's a big deal. The low happens to be 426.36. Put that on a sticky note. Now we look at the weekly chart, and we can see it's pretty obvious they want to come into and run a test of the 50-week moving average. Now, if they come close, they start up on Monday and bounce away, or they come close and reverse without hitting the 50, that's just garden variety, trick trap fool and frustrate type behavior. In reality, they're very close to it. They haven't been there in quite a while. Under normal market conditions, they're going to come in to run a test, if not more, of the 50 period moving average on this weekly chart. Whether they do it on Monday or not is really a moot point at this stage. We'll just say, at least on this rundown, Unless there's a miraculous rescue operation on Monday, they're going to eventually come in sooner than later into the 50-period moving average. Now, that 50-period moving average right now is at 433.78. So let's just run a concept for a second. We'll take a look at the daily chart, and let's find out what's going on in and around that zone. And then we're going to talk about some of the intangibles. There's a gap over here. So the gap is at 435 and change. We're just going to call it 435 for argument's sake. Then over here, we have something else. We have an area where the market thinks it's important. Let me just explain it this way. So the market was trading lower. It started back up, yet it failed, but was a rescue operation, made a good low, spent one, two, three, four, five days thinking about whether or not to break this low decided, nope, we're going back in the other direction. That's an important development. For five days, the bears couldn't break down the market, and the bulls won the battle, and they went back up in the northern direction. When using common sense and logic, that's what happened. So I'm saying that that area is important. Could be the gap, could be lower than the gap, but if lower than the gap, this area is important. So what is it? 430 432, 433 in that neighborhood. Weekly chart again, that gap is at 433.78. So let's just go with this concept for a moment. You have a 50 period moving average, they're almost home. You have a pivot low here, 
that comes in at 426.36. It's quite a distance from that 50 period moving average. We're going to put a temporary line. We're going to put it at 433. It's a round number. And we're going to make an assumption in this exercise that they're going to spike through the 50 period moving average at least by a little bit. We go back to the daily chart and we find out that around 433, maybe it's a little bit higher, maybe it's a little bit lower, but somewhere in that 433 neighborhood should be garden variety of support for not one, but at least two reasons that we can find on two different charts. Now here's part of the intangible. We're making up a story for the purposes of this exercise. We wake up Monday. The market's trading down. It started trading down Sunday night. They're all over the place. They've been down 75 points. They've been down 50 points. They're down 30, 40, 50 points at the open on the S&P, and everybody has the belief, everybody fears that they're going to crash the tape. Maybe they will. One day, that will happen. It's happened before. It will happen again. And by the way, in case you were wondering, you could call this little exercise here a little bit of a crash. Let's continue on. They're going to be talking about margin calls on TV. All the news will be bearish. All the news is already bearish. The market is stretched. A pretty good case could be made. The market is on time. So here's the conclusion of this hypothetical scenario. And this is something you need to put on a sticky note, have in the back of your mind, on the back burner. You wake up, the market's trading down, the media's killing everything, everything's negative, there's margin calls, all that stuff. The market comes down to run a test of an important spot, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the market reverses, maybe it finishes flat on the day, maybe it finishes up on the day, however, you all of a sudden develop a sign or signal of a trend change. Now, whether it happens on Monday or it happens another day, that type of scenario is likely to happen sooner than later. We're in that rubber band scenario, and I've talked about this before whenever the market gets in these kind of positions. So the rubber band is stretched. You're pulling it one end in each hand, and you're pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. So what's going to happen is one of two things. It gets to the end of the road. Either the rubber band breaks or it's going to snap back. Well, what happens if the rubber band breaks? We need some more numbers. So let's say 433 is bogus. It doesn't work. Let's say they open up below that stuff on Monday. What's next? From a rounding purposes perspective, it's four and a quarter. Now, inside the number, members are going to have refined numbers Monday morning, but this is a big fat round number. It's below the pivot here. That pivot is 426.36. So let's say they run a test of the pivot. Sometimes they come up short. Sometimes they spike it through. On a spike through, where would they be going? They would be going in the neighborhood of the next big fat round number down, which is four and a quarter. So that's an important spot. You want to confirm that as is the case. So you go to another chart. In this case, we go to the weekly chart. What do we find? Well, here's what we find. We have a weekly chart, breakup candle, and the low is 421.97. So therefore, we know a couple of things. The first thing is we're going to need another number because if they're running a test of the breakup candle low and they get below this pivot here, remember this low is 426.36, they could go all the way down to the low. And again, the low 
is 421.97, we'll call it 422, give or take. So there you have a zone. Below this pivot, the zone becomes four and a quarter to 422.50. Now it's not a zone that's like a dollar, dollar and a half spread. It's wider than that. Why is that? Because the market is having big swings in both directions. When that happens and volatility expands, you have to expect the market is going to spike through stuff. What about the crash number? Let's say they cut through everything and they're just killing the market. Let's say there's a buyer strike and they cut through everything. What's the next number? I'm not saying they're getting there. I'm just saying that was my next number, 417 and a quarter. So now you have an idea if they're killing the tape where we're looking at on Monday. And so keep in mind, this is a zone in here. So anything goes when the market is selling hard and they're cutting through stuff, not necessarily by the 15-minute candle or the half-hour candle or the hourly candle, but they're doing it minute by minute, you're in an anything-goes scenario. Remember, the market generally operates using the 80-20 rule of life. 80% of the time, the market does the same stuff over and over and over again. 20% of the time, just like in our life, 20% of the time, things are different than the norm. Well, yesterday, for example, on Friday and Thursday and Wednesday, Things have been different than what was the norm of late. So we have to take that into an account when we're analyzing the tape. All right, we look down, now let's look up in the other direction. We have some stuff to talk about up north. Namely, it's not lost on me, they gave up Irene. They did it the other day, but then all of a sudden they really gave up Irene. And that was what I was talking about. For those of you that don't know or weren't here in the past, I call that the Irene number. And the reason it was called the Irene number is because if they got below and closed below that number, specifically on the week, that was real trouble for the market. Well, you see what happened when they closed below it on the day. They closed on it here, right above it. And then the next day, which was Thursday, they got real low. And then they killed them into the close on Friday. They got below and gave up the good night Irene number. They also did quickly, but they did it anyway. They did the thing we discussed. They ran up to run a test of try and get back above the 100 period moving average and failed. And so just from a technical trading 101 perspective, this is kind of what happens and it just makes sense. They tried to recapture the 100 period moving average. In the process, what did they do? They ran a test of the most recent breakdown candle high, which was the former candle, the candle from the day before. So they ran a test of that stuff and they failed. Once they got below the low, the closing low, the low or the closing price of the prior day, then the bears come out of the woodwork. That's a real negative sign for the tape. It confirms the failure. What about inside the numbers? Now, Friday was a half day. Why was it a half day? Well, let me explain it like this. Whether you're a regular inside the numbers subscriber or you were in the inside the numbers live room, either way, it was what we call a blockbuster day. More on that later. Happy Friday. The question early on is, do we get another bout of follies or a normal Friday floater? With the expansion of volatility, they're kind of all over the place, so it's hard to get a read early in the morning. Below the current price is the 200-period moving average on the daily chart. That's something we need to know about for guideline perspectives if they're killing the tape. We have areas that they're going to be 
A, targeting, and B, ultimately should provide some semblance of support, even if it's on a short-term basis. So we need to know about this stuff. This is the pregame warm-up routine. It sits around 441.70, give or take. Then we have some other numbers down south. What are the ones we need to know? There were three such numbers, 442.5, and 438.40. We use these numbers as a guideline. Anything below will be a real-time type of thing. If they're going to conduct a rescue operation, there's the number they needed to get over. They didn't do that. Bulls have their work cut out to stay afloat. That's shorting the market in the hole, meaning when it's already down, it's a recipe to get whipped around and out in the other direction. And the point there was they'll all be out today, so beware. By 9.32, nice trade on Ally. We'll get back to that later from Stocks on the Move. SPY, big swings in both directions. 4.46.80 is overhead resistance. Here's a five-minute chart. Right of the vertical is today's activity. We'll get back to this stuff down here later. But as you can see, 4.46.80 was overhead resistance. And early in the day, they opened the market right here. They tried to run up, and they couldn't even do it. They turned around and went back in the other direction. Stay with me. There's a method to the madness. It's the morning rush disguised as a rodeo, which is also disguised as a shakeout operation in both directions. It's options expiration. It's a flood of volume in the morning with traders on both sides of the tape. So by 9.55, we're saying if they get to 4.42.50 and lower, anytime soon, there should be a bounce from within there. Meaning 4.42.50 was a minimum target. More clarity. It's a long trade opportunity as long as traders realize the risk could be a flush down to 440, give or take. So what does that mean in English? That means if you're willing to buy 442.50, you have to be willing to buy around 440 or somewhere in between. And here's what we're saying. Under normal market conditions, this is before 10 o'clock in the morning, they'll find a morning low. Now, let's read the next one, and then we'll go back to the chart. OMG, they came up 7 cents short and bounced over 10 S&P handles. Ouch. For me, now they would have to go lower, like closer to 442 for a trade. This is what we're talking about. This candle here, the low, happens to be 442.57, 7 cents short, and they started bouncing away. So right away when that happens, I don't want that specific number anymore, not on this trade. I'm going to make them go lower, and that's where I want to buy them. So I knock down the price, 50 cents, right out of the chute. You can't always do that, but when the market's this volatile, I'm going to do that. It's always the first time the market or a stock comes into the number I'm looking for. That's the one I want. So when they come up close and bounce away, it changes the trade. Still might work, but it changes the risk profile of the trade. So Sometimes you have to change along with the market flow. All right, so I'm looking for 442, 1012. Now they've reached the 200 period moving average from the daily chart. They can go lower, but if they're going to find a low, it's soon and close by. Showtime for the Bulls to play defense. Now let's get our faculties on what exactly happened. Here it is at 1010, 1015. This candle is where they came into 442, 442 at 1020. 442 
66 at 1025, and then they turn around. The Bulls play defense. It was showtime. It was that zone, and it produced a Lollapalooza of a trade. So think about it like this. You're buying 442. Maybe you're buying down to 440 or somewhere in between. They never get to 440, but all of a sudden, they immediately turn around and have a rip-roaring rocket ride back in the other direction. And here it is, by 1040, the high was 445.98. We're calling it 446. That's 40 S&P handles in like 15, 20 minutes. So here, back at the notes, we're saying first order of business is to recapture. They were turning around at this point, 442.50. Then in front of 443.50 is where traders must have taken some profit. That's if they get there. They weren't there yet, but I'm giving you a number. You have to take profit. You turn it into a risk-free, emotionless trade. Pardon me. They didn't turn around yet at that point. Here's where they were going lower by 1021. Then they turned around. You saw the chart, and this is where OMG came in again. Now they came up six cents short of my next number. That was sponsored by the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew with a co-sponsor of Shenanigans. And by 1027, there you have it. The rest is trader's choice. And I'm saying, could be a low for a while, and it was. So by 1030, here's the recap. There was just about something for everyone this morning. Stocks on the move, the SPY, which is already locked in profit with much more potential, which put the writing on the wall. What writing? A very short day. Why? Because we keep profits in the pocket. Let me go through my mindset. Forget about what happened in the rest of the day, the rest of the afternoon. The mindset is this. It's Friday. We worked all week. We work hard all week. There was a huge trade or multiple trades Friday morning to line our pockets. And I will tell you, there were traders in the live room. We heard numbers and we have the proof. We asked them to send us stuff, if they don't mind, of what that trade produced. We had thousands of dollars made in that trade on that day. 2,000, 4,000, 6,000. We had a 15,000-day profit. Everybody's not going to do that. It depends on your account size. That's not the point. It also depends on how much risk you're willing to take. The point is, this is what's happening. So anyway, when you do that early on a Friday, and by the way, we know that most of the time, not yesterday, but most of the time, Fridays turn into a Friday floater, chop shop, the volume dries up. They don't do anything the majority of the day. So who wants to sit there and watch it? Already made a bunch of money Friday morning. Go do something else. The market is a tool. It's a mechanism. It's like inventory. You're not married to it. Well, let's see what else is going on. Well, that was it, right? So that goes into the end of the day. There's a comment here about lazy swing traders. So I want to talk a second about that. Lazy Swing Trader is a swing trading service, and one of the trades was short the queues late last year in December. Now, here's the point. There's always a method to the madness, and the point isn't telling you about the queues. I've already told you about that. You know about that. Here's the deal. It's how we approach the trade. So it's an opportunity to learn something. It's the difference between, and don't take this the wrong way. I'm just saying it the way I see it. It's the difference between an amateur trader who's mostly gambling, looking for that huge home run hit. And the other side of that is a pro trader that treats it as a business. Now, I talk about that all the time. You have to treat it as a business. So I want to give you the example. First, and I've said this many times, 
A pro trader, by the time a stock or a market or whatever they're trading, the open position, by the time it gets to target, they don't have the full position on any longer. They haven't in a while. The first order of business is get some profit in the pocket, protect the thing. So the trade was taken right here before the drop, December 1st. We had this drop and we took profit. We took whether it was a third or a half of the position off the table. It's trader's choice, but you have to take some profit. Then the market rallied back, you know, trick trap full and frustrate crew, makes you think everything's fine before they kill the tape again. So we have half a position on. Well, guess what? When did I take more profit? About Friday. Guess what? Do I still have any of the position left? Yes, I do. So if they kill the tape on Monday, I'm still participating with that trade. All right, we got to take a look at some stocks on the move. We had a nice list on Friday morning. Ally, ISRG. We're not going to look at the ones that didn't hit their numbers. NVIDIA didn't get down low enough. SI, Disney, Mara, SQ, and Netflix didn't get low enough. There's Ally's haircut at the opening bell. Here's a five-minute chart. 47.20 was the number. You see what happened. They came in in the first couple of minutes or minute of the day. They ripped it back up in the other direction. Nice trade. In the room, I think Jordan got two profit targets off before it came back down. Intuitive surgical. You see what happened. They missed the number early in the morning, ripped it back up. And then they came into it later, did the deal anyway. And then look at this one down here. The low here is 267.30 against 267.32. So they spike it by two pennies and they go where? Right back to the first number. The high is 272.16, just a few pennies short of the first number. You think the numbers are important? Yes, they are. The numbers work. SI, they came up short early in the day. They did the thing late in the day. Nobody's buying anything with a, no time left on the clock, especially as they're killing the tape into the weekend close. For Disney, we had three numbers on the board on Friday. They came up short of the third, but you can see what happened. They cut through the first, they hit the second, right back. Your average is in the middle. They ended up doing the deal, but it wasn't an easy trade. Marathon Digital, same routine as a couple of the others come up short at the opening bell, then they come and do it later and have a nice rip-roaring rocket ride away. You just got to do the numbers on this. The high over here, just for argument's sake, is 24.30 off an entry of 24.63. Regardless of whether you took the trade or not, think about the percentages of that. 21.95. Look at what happened into the end of the day. You think that number's important? I do. Square. See what happened with Square? Came right into the number reversed after they spike it through, back up in the other direction, they do the deal, well more than the minimum required base hit. And then you can see they found support at the second number late in the day. Nobody's taking that trade. We're just saying. By the way, before we move on to Camp IWM, I want to mention something about volume. Look at the volume at over 200 million shares traded, and you could look at the recent volume, and you see there's nothing really close to that on the chart. So that tells us a couple of things. Doesn't tell us anything definitive, but we know a couple of things. It could be capitulation volume, at least on a short-term basis. On the other hand, it doesn't have to be the highest volume day. There could be another one on Monday. We have to know that, and that's why we have numbers below where current price is. Market finishing at the lows of the day on the week is generally a negative sign from where I sit. 
They killed him into the close. They cut through the 200-period moving average. Now, at some point, they're going to want to snap back to that, but there's nothing in the book that says it has to happen on Monday. By the way, just to mention something. So we're thinking big picture. We're thinking longer term. We're thinking garden variety corrections. A, how long do they last? And B, how far can they actually go? Well, it depends on whether we're talking correction. We're talking bear market. What are we talking about? And we're not going to label it. It doesn't really matter what you call it. But here's what we're saying. If you just take a normal garden variety retracement from the pandemic low in early, let's call it March or April, whatever it was of 2020, to the high that was made this month, and you just start talking about normal garden variety retracements, you're looking at stuff like 415, 380. It's not even on the chart. 350. It's not even on the chart. Those are normal garden variety. But here's the thing. Here's what you can't do. You can't say, well, if the market's going to get down to 415, then I'm going to short the market and just wait till it gets down there. Very difficult to do that. It's not going to do that in a straight line. So here's what I mean by that. Might get to 415, might get to 350. But here's the deal. It might do this first. You don't know that it will or it won't. And it might do this first. It might chop around, it might go up, it might go down. And then all of a sudden, you look back four months later and it's down there or it's headed down there. You don't know when it's going to do it. Look at the weekly chart. Just so happens, and this had nothing to do with it, the 100-period moving average is at 380. Now, it's going to creep up over time unless the market comes down quickly. But if the market's in a corrective phase, why wouldn't it eventually run a test of the 100-period moving average? Again, nothing goes in a straight line. This is a weekly chart. It could take a long time to develop. Maybe it happens in February. Maybe it happens months from now. We don't know. We take it one step at a time. I have some ideas, but I'm not going to lay them on the table just yet. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, it's getting killed. That's what's going on. We talked about 191. I'm not saying they're going to stop there. It's a guide. It's a low of a breakup candle, and it's right above the 100-period moving average. So it makes sense that they would come into, if they're close by, the 100-period moving average. Those things become magnetic when price gets close to them. Same thing with numbers. If it's an important number, it's going to become magnetic as price approaches. This 191 area is a stopping point. Why? Because that's where market symmetry played a role. What's market symmetry? Well, A, you can look it up, or B, you can look at the module in the Lazy E-mini Trader course. It's how I came up with 191. And those things are a give or take. It's not necessarily to the penny. It's a general concept and guideline. Folks down at the transportation department, all of a sudden they give up the 100, then they give up the 200 period moving average, closing daily below that 200. And here's the bottom line. When you have days like we had on Friday, when the market gets sold, everything gets thrown out with the bathwater. Are they going to find support at this candle low at 15,000, big fat round number? Or are they going to run down and fill the gap that exists just a little bit lower, 14,943? Either way, that's a general spot where we would expect garden variety of chart support. If the market's getting killed, volatility's expanding, they'll spike it through, but they're going to want to fight that spot. We're going to start on the weekly chart of the Qs, 
Why? Well, for one, they blew through the 50-week moving average, but let's check on Irene. 350.52 is the low from Irene. The closing price, 351.69, is pretty much right on top of Irene. So here's the thing. Irene is magnetic. They're headed for Irene. They're running a test of Irene. They're likely to get below or at least run a test of Irene on Monday unless there's a quick rescue operation before the opening bell. But what's below Irene that is important? Well, we do this one all the time, but the reason is is because it works. So the market ran up to here, pulled back. This is kind of the same thing, pulled back, and then it finally got going. So this general area, whether it's this top or this top, doesn't matter. We're saying it's the general area right here 340, 341, 342, 339, important numbers are magnetic. Smash Mouth headed for the 200 period moving average, maybe a spike through, but keep in mind, as ugly as things looked at the end of the week, as ugly as things might look on Monday, pre-market, after the opening bell, at some point, the market is stretched, they are on time and will be on time for the next few days. And eventually, they're going to get a snapback, which will be accompanied by a rip-your-face-off rally. I believe we have Kabuki Theater going on midweek, so that could certainly play a role. Remember what I always say. It's the market that wags the Fed. It's the tail wagging the dog. The market's telling the Fed it needs its liquidity. It needs its liquidity like we need water and food. And when the Fed threatens to pull liquidity from the market, the market has a conniption. That's what's going on. This is not new. This is common and normal market behavior. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense market analysis.